You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bolchevich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. And this is the Bose Nose Show, and I'm ho- your host, Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And just like all my shows, it's a free-for-all show. If you want to take the conversation wherever you want to take it, just give me a call at 646-721-9887. Just press 1. Let's Robin, my call screener. And producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation again. That's 646 721 9887. And just press one if you want to get in on the conversation. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, KRBN News Talk Radio page. So it's the crazy season for me. You know, that's why we're doing the Bo's Nose show a couple hours late today because. We have budget committee meetings and budget committee meetings, and they're long meetings, and we're getting into the details of each department's budget and each program budget and this fund budget. And I tell you, um, it gets crazy. And at the same time, I'm in the middle of a reelection campaign that has election night next Tuesday night, and we're supposed to take final action on the budget on Thursday night. So everything comes to a crunch at the same time. So if I get a little off topic or punchy, you'll understand why, because running on fumes here and uh, just the way way it goes when you're trying to you know, not only do your normal job as a county commissioner, then add being the chair of the board on top of that, then add the fact that you're in budget season and it's also election season. So it's like having four jobs all at once. Whole lot of fun. And at the same time, my wife's out of town for a week and a half. So I'm also trying to run the house and take care of all the poodle dogs and and ducks and cats and all that good stuff. So good times here. Jay's a little crazy, but it is, you know, election season. I did want to make a note because I was in the news this morning that the voter turnout in Oregon with our wonderful vote by mail system and motor voter registration is 8%. It's it's historically low for a um, primary election like this. And uh, at least in Lane County, we're running ahead of the state average. We're at 11% Lane County. And I I think part of that's being driven by a couple contested races and maybe the uh, auditor's race in in Eugene, you know, the two different auditor uh, ballot measures in Eugene might be driving some turnout. And we got a couple competitive um, primaries for, you know, for House 11, both on the Democrat side and the Republican side, um, generating some interest. So maybe that's why we're running a little bit ahead of the state, but even 11% at this stage is really low turnout, which means whichever side can get their people to turn their ballots in could win this thing even though they don't really truly have majority support of the electorate that's the scary part about low voter turnout and when you don't vote you allow that that um, small motivated uh, portion of people decide things for for everybody you know if you get you know uh, just 5.6 percent of that 11, you know, that of people to vote a certain way and only 11% turn in their ballots, that, you know, difference between the 5.6 and the 5.4 on the on the other direction, you know, that's two tenths of a percent of the electorate. You know, that that's not a lot of people. You're really 
people need to turn in their ballots. I can't encourage you in any way. Today was the last day to actually put a stamp on it and put it in a mailbox um, to guarantee it's going to get to elections by election day. You're much better off to uh, go to a, a ballot drop site and you can you know, if you go to my campaign site, uh, www.jbozovich.com backslash uh, vote, you know, and, or if you go to the, just the main page and click vote up above, there's a list of the Lane County drop sites there, and you can kind of figure out which one's the closest one to you. So uh, those drop sites work really well. They're secure. It's a good way to turn your ballot in. Um, they're usually in very public locations and uh, really that's probably the easiest way to make sure we get your ballot and your vote gets counted because it's going to be it's kind of an important election yeah, I, I kind of think so because it's you know my re-election um, but it could really change uh, the face of Lane County in fact uh, you know as as you think about this election um, think about the good things you, you that Lane County has been doing you know we've talked a lot on this show about our fiscal responsibility and the things we've done to keep our budget balanced and to control costs. And what's that allowed us to do in the way of leveraging some things and getting our, our you know, highest ever financial rating from Moody's uh, investments uh, for Lane County. But all that cost savings has allowed us to build up some money and have available to us some excess reserves that we can invest in our PERS uh, liability and actually save money in the future on our PERS liability uh, through a state law that allows the state to match 25% of a 25% match on what we invest. So we take an $8 million of savings we got from things like our workman's comp fund, our liability fund, our health insurance reserves, that we've built, we've done such a good job controlling our exposure to those issues and our claims that we built up an excess reserve and we're taking $8 million from those savings and the state will match it with their 2 million and we'll be able to uh, invest $10 million against our future PERS liability through the state system, which will turn into 21 and a half million against our future PERS liabilities. And that will save us a lot of money in our rate increases over the future. And that instead of paying PERS rate increases, we'll be able to actually take that money and invest it in services for the citizens of Lane County. And it's that good financial management I want to continue doing as a county commissioner. So this race has a lot to do with trying to keep the good things going in Lane County that we've been able to do and to continue doing them from all the job growth we've managed here in Lane County uh, with things like Winnebago coming to Junction City and the expansion of Cosmos Creations in Junction City, the state hospital out in Junction City area, first call resolution in the Veneta area, bringing 300 jobs to Veneta, which is huge. Um, the work we've done with rain down in the Florence area, um, you know, the potential of the Corning uh, purchase of the, the old Hynix building, you know, there's some great things going on in the job market in Lane County. Um, Want to keep those things going and have a, a, a business friendly um, forward. Unlike, you know, my uh, opponent in my race has proposed three different sets of taxes in the last couple of weeks. She proposed taxing log trucks during a forum with me. She proposed taxing sodas in an article in the Register Guard. And then she proposed uh, taxing new homes in an article in the Syuse Law News today. So three new taxes she's proposing in Lane County. Um, and that's what she wants to do is tax, tax, tax. Where my record is I've actually been able to reduce the public safety levy tax because we actually had enough money to meet the promises that we made when we passed the levy without having to charge the full rate of the levy. So some big choices when it comes to the election. So fill out your ballots, uh, get them in because it, it's going to mean a lot in Lane County over the next um, four years. Who's in control of the board? And, you know, do we really want, you know, South Eugene to control Lane County? 
And speaking of South Eugene, I, I got sent a photo off the internet of a group of students making telephone calls for my opponent from South Eugene High School from a classroom. And it was a bunch of high school kids in the, the Democrat club there at the, the steering of the local Democrat Party of Lane County making calls from a public building. Um, I think that might violate some state laws, you know, because you're not supposed to use public resources, including buildings, for campaign uh, and trying to sway people for a candidate or a measure. Um, so. It, they might be in a little bit of trouble there. Uh, we'll find out in the future, though. Um, but that's you know just a case of South Eugene uh, trying to influence West Lane County. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I think there's a little bit of difference between South Eugene and uh, say Benita or No Tie and uh, you know Florence or Junction City. They don't quite exactly match up. In fact, there's a difference between South Eugene and Santa Clara, which is my district. So um, I, I, I hope people realize that that's what's happening in my race is that those, those South Eugene folks are trying to influence and put in the person that they want and they and has their values, like proposing three new taxes um, in, in the space of less than three weeks. Um, for Lane County as you try and balance your budget uh, at, at home. I'd rather have, you know, the current board in charge of continuing to balance the budget. So that kind of wraps a little bit of budget and election news all into one thing. And, and, and speaking of budget stuff, I want to go a little bit further. One of the, you know, we have this proposal where we're going to use you know, leverage this $8 million in savings to eventually to be $21 million in PERS um, funding. And uh, we're also uh, going to leverage some of that secure rural schools money we got this year that we had no idea we were gonna get, and we're not sure we'll ever get it again, into some housing in Lane County, some affordable housing. And what we're doing is taking $2 million of that and setting it aside in a fund to be used as match, local match, or to be leveraged by other public and private funds from you know, both the federal and state government and even the private sector, and to work with our partners like Homes for Good and uh, St. Vincent de Paul and other housing agencies to, to try and get as many housing units out of that as we can over the next couple of years. And uh, we're really pleased to have that opportunity because, you know, that one-time money may actually leverage quite a bit of other monies uh, from other sources and will actually, you know, be able to attack the um, housing, uh, at least on the affordable housing side. There are other things in housing we need to do, which is really we need to loosen up some of the state laws around accessory dwelling units and rural residential properties. Uh, we also need to go after some of the building codes at the state level to make it easier to do things like tiny homes and row homes and really um, push some of the cities to uh, look at their residential land supplies and maybe expand their UGBs so we can just get more front doors in Lane County. That's really what we need. We don't need to be taxing new front doors like my opponent has proposed. So um, that's really you know, another neat piece of the budget is this this housing opportunity we have. And then we've got another opportunity with those secure rural school funds um, that I I brought up a couple days ago in our budget um, meetings. And we're starting to try and decide whether it's a place to go or not. And right now it's just a supposal on my part. Um, and that's, you know, just an idea that maybe we could take some of the secure rural schools money that went into the road fund and under a state law that allows us to use that for rural patrol, we could actually pull enough out to fund five years of an expansion of our rural patrol from three officers on duty at any one time to four officers on duty, which takes hiring another six people to cover that one more person for 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, and that's, you know, really, um, you know, what something we're kind of, toying with right now, got to also kind of see what what 
other use that might have been for that secure rural schools money. I know our roads people were hoping maybe to use it in some capital improvement projects. So we'll kind of have to look at the trade-offs. But there's you know, an idea and an opportunity there to use some of that uh, one-time money uh, over the next two years, set it, you know, pull it out of the budget, set it aside, and use it to fund five years of an additional of some additional staff in in rural patrol and start attacking some of these issues out there uh, in in our area as far as response time. Also, make our officers more safe because when there's only three of them out there, it takes a long time to get back up. And another person out there will really do a lot for officer safety. Another person on the road will do a lot for traffic safety because just seeing officers out there slows people down. And, and of course, you know, they'll get to write you know, a few tickets here and there. They don't write very many. Uh, we used to write over 20,000 tickets a year in Lane County, and we're writing about 2,000 a year now. And a good portion of them are written after an accident. You know, where a deputy shows up after an accident, somebody gets a ticket for what caused the accident. It's not like we're out there doing a lot of active enforcement, which brings me to something I wanted to talk about a couple of weeks ago and never got to. And then last week we were live at Patriot Place, which was a fun show, but the show kind of went all sorts of directions with a live audience. And I never got to talk about it then either which is a report we got back, a quarterly report from our fatal crash investigation team. And it actually showed that we're running behind the rate of fatal crashes, at least if you look at the number of months than we had in past years here in Lane County. So hopefully we're actually starting to, to, to improve in that statistic, but it still shows that there are a lot of people that are just you know, the crashes, again, are, are lane departure crashes where people cross over the center line or out, you know, off the road, off the fog line and either hit another car or a foreign object and, and like a tree. And that's how they end up in a fatality. And most of those are about driver behavior, going too fast, trying to check your damn text messages while you're driving or being under the influence of something that's intoxicating, which, you know, so that's really, you know, as I start, you know, one of the reasons why I started looking at, you know, how can we get another patrol officer out there? You know, what would it take? And I don't want to, you can't just hire people for one year because, you know, that's why we did the five-year levy for the jail was we really wanted to make sure if we're going to hire people, we'd have them there for a few years. So I was looking at how can we add that person for five years? And that's what we're kind of looking into now, uh, that extra deputy 24 hours a day, seven days a week over the next five years. And then maybe by the end of that five years, we can figure out a way to permanently fund that deputy um, in our budget. But um, one of the things we did do recently is we applied for a grant and we're able to add another investigators and uh, investigator slash prosecutor in the DA's office specifically for DUII, and, and that should help also about this whole issue of fatal crashes on our roads in Lane County, because that's really, we're seeing an increase in DUII arrests, and DUII cases, now that marijuana is legal, aren't just the easy slam dunk, well, you blew a, a, a over 0.08, and therefore you were legally impaired, and, you know, a lot of them just end up pleading out to to, you know, other, you know, to um, to go into diversion or whatever else, or, you know, at least avoid a, a longer sentence, you know, if it's, a, if it's their third or fourth arrest for that, because um, you know, the, the, the sentences get to be more mandatory the more times you're arrested for DUII. But when you get arrested for DUII marijuana, it's about doing a field sobriety test with a specifically trained law enforcement officer that's trained to spot impairment, non-alcohol impairment in the field. So it's the judgment of the officer based on his training, which, you know, any good attorney is going to challenge in court. So a lot of these DUIIs now, instead of being settled before they get in front of a judge, are going in front of a judge for a trial and are involving a lot more time and effort on both uh, the DA's staff part and also our law enforcement and our courts 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we needed this additional position because it'll help us deal with some of that uh, additional workload and the fact that we're just seeing more impairment out there because uh, just like the cab driver that got busted the other day for DUII for marijuana, um, people for some reason think they can drive while they're on marijuana. That they're, you know, I've even heard people, I've had somebody call this show when I, we first talked about legalizing marijuana about a year and a half ago and argue with me that that folks that were high on marijuana are actually safer drivers because they slow down. Which kind of leads to the, the, the statistical anomaly that a lot of people that are arrested for DUII marijuana were arrested for speeding first and then found out to be under the influence. So it, the actual statistics don't prove that out. That, that people necessarily slow down. They might think they're slowing down, <laughs> but statistically they're not slowing down. So uh, folks have to be a little bit responsible and uh, take a little responsibility about their, their uh, you know, having a designated driver and not partaking on these, these you know, marijuana or alcohol that can impair their driving ability. Cause that's really where driving some of these fatal crashes in Lane County. So I threw out some red meat there throughout the first part of the program. If you want to call in about any of those things, you can reach me at 646-721-9887. Just press one, lets me know you want to get in on the conversation. And you're not just calling to listen to the show because we do get some people that call and listen over their phone when they can't be in front of a computer or stream Facebook Live, which we do now, which you can get through our KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page. So um, don't forget to like us on Facebook. But again, it's 646-721-9887. Just press one. And uh, we'll talk about what you want to talk about, too. If you don't want to talk about the election, you don't want to talk about budget and PERS and housing and sheriff's deputy patrol or South Eugene kids making uh, political calls uh, from a classroom, uh, you know, we or you know fatal crashes out there if there's something else you want to talk about you got to give me a call and change the subject here 646-721-9887 just press one and uh we'll get you in here on the bose nose show again i'm your host jay bozovich lane county commissioner hoping to continue to be your lane county commissioner after the end of the year so i'm, I'm urging folks to get their ballots in as we're looking at 11 percent turnout right now in lane county and uh, you need to get your ballots in by next Tuesday. It's too late to mail it after today. So you need to find one of those white drop boxes, official drop boxes. You can go to www.jbozovich.com and click the little vote button there. And we've got a list of all of the uh, ballot drop boxes in Lane County. And uh, so you can find out where to put your ballot in. So you gotta get out there and vote, it's important. I mean. It, you know, I don't mind the fact that kids are involved in politics. I think it's important, you know, civics-wise, teaching them civics and everything else. The only thing I mind about the kids in South Eugene uh, doing campaign stuff was that they were doing it from a publicly owned building, which was built with tax dollars, and they were doing it on behalf of a particular candidate or measure, which makes it illegal. You're not supposed to use public resources to advocate or or campaign for either a measure or a candidate. So uh, those kids are gonna get a lesson in civics probably when they find out that they shouldn't be doing what they were doing. Now, if they had walked off campus to the nearest Starbucks and did that, they'd have been just fine. Of course, Starbucks might not have been too happy about them all talking on, on the phone at once out there. But uh, that's up to Starbucks. It's private property. They can they can control that. Um, in fact, if they had just walked off the, the school property uh, to somebody's front yard, uh, they probably could have done it. You know, if the person gave them permission to be in their front yard or their living room or something like that. But doing it from a classroom, I think they're going to find out they're in trouble. Um, so I. Uh, 
I ran through a few things here on the Bo's Nose Show. We can get into some other stuff. You know, there's all sorts of things going on around this state. You know, we've got a governor's races we could talk about, all sorts of crazy things going on there. You know, accusations about not paying taxes, about being too soft on 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 uh, gun control and and all sorts of crazy stuff there. We got a governor that wants to uh, tax small businesses and uh, then then call a special session to give a very small amount of that tax back to a small segment of those small businesses. And uh, then it gets into another issue. And and we we haven't talked about this too much on the Bose Nose Show. I might have touched on it once, but there's a crisis coming right now in a lot of small towns and counties in the state of Oregon. And this is on top of the crisis that's already here about housing. And we've talked a lot about housing affordability and how six in 10 renters in Lane County pay more than 30% of their monthly income in their monthly rent bill. And three in 10 of those renters pays more than 50% of their income for their monthly rent, which is the, you know, more than 30% is the definition of housing burden, where your where your housing costs cost so much they're actually impacting your ability to meet food and other bills, regular bills that people have. Um, so amongst this housing crisis we have with a shortage of housing, our attorney general's office and the state building official um, got together and decided that look, small cities and small counties that don't have the ability to, to have their own, you know, they don't have enough permits come through to make it worth having their own building codes official and electrical inspectors and a few other things, that those cities had been contracting out with third party um, private companies that supply that service for multiple cities around the state. And there's, there were about three or four different companies that do that. And they have a lot of small cities that they contract for. And the cities you know, go through the, the very public contracting process to sign those contracts. They got to get competitive bids to select a, a, a firm to do that work. And, and um, ultimately, you know, if that firm makes a decision, that decision can be appealed into the city uh, infrastructure ultimately. But the attorney general's office came up with an opinion that basically said that's an unconstitutional delegation of discretionary authority. And then they gave cities and counties 30 days, basically, that that were coming up for their review of their permit, their, their delegate, you know, you, every city and county gets approved by the state to issue building permits every four years. So about a quarter of the cities and counties out there are due to get their renewal. They gave them a month to basically uh, bring that stuff in house or to find band together with a couple other cities and hire the folks to handle the permits. Needless to say, there are going to be a lot of cities that aren't going to manage to do that. And if the cities can't do it, it gets turned over to the county by statute. If the county can't do it, it gets turned over to the state. Here in Lane County, we're we're barely keeping up with the demand as the housing booms going on right now. That we we processed nearly 5,000 building permits last year, and you know if some of our cities and Florence is one of them has to give up their building permit review and hand it over to the county, it's going to put a, a, even more of a strain on our system because the 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 folks out there that do this kind of review and are certified for it are really hard to hire. There's very few of them out in the workforce and and they're in high demand and basically saying, what are you going to pay me? And they're six figure type salaries. That's one of the reasons why a small city like Florence doesn't have their own and why they were contracting out, let alone a really small city like Dune City. Um, you just don't have enough permit volume going through to hire six figure uh, salaries very easily. Um, easier to contract out to a third party. They can staff, you know, that 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 consulting firm that has that staff on there is handling multiple cities, so they have a much more steady workflow, not a lot of ups and downs and peaks and valleys. So they have the they hire the staff to handle those permits, and um, they do. You know, it, it's it's a system that's worked for 30 years in Oregon. 
and it's been upset by a decision that was issued in February and that they passed emergency rules to enact with very little public comment. And mind you, the, the person that's doing all this is the state building official that serves at the pleasure of the governor. It's a political appointed position. So my question for the governor is, you're, you've talked about housing crisis and homelessness in some of your talks. What the heck? Why can't you step in and at least, you know, put a temporary stay on these new rules and give cities and counties a chance to hire staff, come to agreements, uh, form coalitions between cities and counties and actually be ready to handle this? Give us at least six months, maybe even a year before you implement this, this decision. Uh, where are you, Governor? You know, where are you? Because I tell you, if, if they force this and they're, they're basically giving cities till the 23rd of this month to respond about how they're going to change and they have to be ready to implement by July 1st, on July 1st, there's going to be a lot of cities that aren't prepared and it's going to turn over to counties and some of the counties aren't going to be prepared and it'll turn it to the state. There's not the capacity at the county and state level to handle this. And it's going to cause a big, you know, bottleneck for for building permits, for needed housing in this state. When we have a housing crisis, we're going to suddenly have a permit crisis for housing. Not only do we overly restrict housing in the state with our land use laws and some of our building code laws, now we're going to start restricting it with 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 the permit system. What do you think it's going to start doing to the cost of new homes when there's not, you know, new homes being built and permits are delayed? You know, it, you know, and think about, you know, are banks going to be able to write loans when they don't know if, if a permit's going to get through? And if a city suddenly loses their authority to issue permits, is a bank going to write a loan for that in that city? You know, it's it's just, you know, it's a crisis that's been slowly happening for months now, and I have yet to hear the governor's office address it. I do know that that some of our local legislators are addressing it. I have to give kudos where kudos are due. Senator Arnie Roblin over there on the coast has actually written a letter, I think, to the governor's office and the state building code official trying to ask for a delay in implementation of this rule. Um, and I think, you know, we need to also just you know challenge the whole concept that, that for some reason this is unconstitutional for cities to contract out building permit review because it kind of starts a slippery slope when you think about the fact that they're saying that you can't delegate that authority to a third party contractor to do some of that work because it's discretionary about some of the decisions they're making how many other things do cities and counties contract out in this state that involves some discretion by on the point of the, uh, by on the part of the contractor. Think about that a little bit. There's a lot of small cities that have municipal courts and municipal codes where they actually contract out the judge. That's that's the municipal judge. They contract out the prosecuting attorney. Now, do you think there's any discretionary authority in those two positions? We Lane County contract with. Lane Council of Governments for hearings officials. And a lot of our, our, our land use actions are heard by a hearings official that we contract for. Think that might be a discretionary decision? What about our medical services in our jail? You think a medical professional might actually be making a discretionary decision now and then? You know, and it goes on and on uh, about engineering contracts. We ask people to design buildings and roads and uh, landfill systems and, and all sorts of things. We contract for engineering. You think engineers have some discretion in, in their design work? You know, this this decision by the attorney general's office, which was an is actually just an opinion to one particular department head, if is not challenged, could lead to the complete collapse of any public contracting unless it's something for as simple as purchasing paper, maybe. There's no discretion there, although 
I kind of wonder if there's, you know, half the delivery method might be considered discretionary. You know, <laughs> it just, it, it boggles my mind that the state's going down this road of trying to interfere with local government's ability of how we're going to execute our duties. You know, I, I don't know where the crisis was. So um, we really need to, to, to you know, if, I, I would encourage after you filled out your ballot and put it in one of those white official ballot boxes as a Bose No Show listener, I would encourage your next thing you do is to get on the phone or write an email to the governor's office and ask her what she's going to do about the permit crisis that was created by the building, the state building code official and the attorney general's office. And, and, and ask, you know, in, in the middle of this housing crisis, what is she doing about that? So today's rant was brought to you by <laughs> Um, yeah, I got on the soapbox there for a minute. Yeah, you, th you think I'm a little frustrated about this one? I mean, what an artificial crisis that's been created in, in Oregon on top of a crisis that was, that was there and is, a, is there nationwide already in housing. We're going to create an artificial crisis on top of that in issuing permits for everything from your bathroom remodel to a new house is now going to probably take months after this July 1st debacle that's going to happen because of one opinion from the attorney general's office to one state official in in the in the uh, state building code office. So um, need to talk to the governor. We need to talk to your legislators. Something's got to be changed. Um, we can't have this crisis on top of a crisis and one of artificial making. And it, and it kind of makes me wonder What's the motivation? I mean, is the state building code official trying to build an empire there by having all these counties turn their, their programs over to, to, to him and uh, he'll get a bunch of new employees out of it? Um, or is there something more sinister behind it as this is the nose under the, of the camel under the tent that'll get you know, contracting out services by local governments declared illegal if, if it's not challenged and then they're going to shove the whole damn camel into the tent in a few, you know, another year and, and basically say local governments, you can't contract out any services. You have to have all public employees. Hmm. Who might be behind that effort? Hmm. hmm. Jump in there for a second. Yeah, I, I kind of thought I might bring you in on that one, Robin. <laughs> Well, one of the things kind of going along with what you're saying, but it doesn't affect Oregon yet. Um, this was just announced the last day or so in California, uh, speaking of housing, where uh, houses, all new homes and low-rise apartment buildings starting in 2020 will be required to have solar cells put on their roofs. Uh, and they say that that would boost the construction costs at, uh, by the current rate between um, nine thousand five hundred to uh, nineteen thousand dollars. Yeah, and you know that gets to code stuff and, and requirements that add add cost to houses. And, and you know they're really proud that they amended that rule kind of in the last minute and are going to allow contractors instead of you know having to pass that on in one time costs with the upfront cost of the house, they can actually sign a contract to lease that, that solar installation space out to a third party so it actually won't be under, in the price of the home because it'll be leased to somebody. And that lease person will actually own the solar array. Uh, yeah, still. Like, oh, wow. It, it's still ultimately going to be in the cost of the home in some ways. And you know, that, that gets to a whole other issue with, um, you know, the, the state has been playing fast and loose, you know, on one hand in the state of Oregon, they're going crazy about this third party contracting of, of building permit review right. and electrical inspection. On the other hand, they're letting non-licensed electricians install solar panels. Yeah. And one of the other things I heard on the news is that when a, I can't remember where it was, but a solar panel caught on fire. And so when 
fire department's trying to put out, they're working on live electrical. Yeah, yeah. And, and they have the, the, the thought that solar systems are somehow or another not, you know, a major electrical system, they have to tie into the household electric somehow or another, which means there's transfer switches involved. There's usually battery systems for storage and, and the transfer over and the automated transfer switches. There's a lot of places where that thing could catch fire. And I tell you, I'd rather have a licensed electrician doing it. And, uh, you know, in some of my discussions with the local um, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, that's one of the reasons why they endorse me is because I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I know enough. I know enough as an engineer to understand that the electrical systems involved in a solar panel are potentially life safety issues in the, that they can catch fire like that. And if they do catch fire, then they have the whole issue of, you know, and if they're not done right, they can cause all sorts of other issues. If that transfer switch system isn't installed right and they're actually still putting uh, uh, current through to the uh, electrical system in a power outage, you know, if you're the power worker that comes to work on that, that down power line and it's being backfed from solar panels, uh, it's not too safe for that, that, that electrical, you know, line worker out there. So it's a highly uh, complex and system really should be being done by a licensed electrician, not uh, some quote, uh, solar technician. So, um, yeah, that, that the, the whole, every time they think of something new that has to be added to a house, that adds that cost. And if the new home costs more, every existing home of the same square footage kind of goes up in price because that's really setting the benchmarks there. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, people just don't get that. It, all these new requirements, you know, whether it's, you know, you have to have, you know, um, you know, a solar panel on your house or the new insulation requirements, they're going you know, higher and higher insulation requirements and they start getting into um, things like how you're supposed to just, you know, your downspouts now can't just splash on the ground like they used to. They got to go into, you know, various dry wells or rain gardens and stuff like that. It, you know, it, everything they, 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 every little requirement they put on that new home adds to that cost, which will bring the cost of all existing housing up at the same time as it raises the cost of the market values of those. So it, yeah, I just, yeah, I heard that on the news this morning. It was, uh, it's like, well, California, <laughs> we're gonna keep getting, you know, you're, you're, you're one of the states that's actually having a lot of people that move are moving out. You know, it's one of the out migration states. And, and it's one of the reasons why a lot of Californians are moving to, to Oregon. Well, let's reach them away, but then again, it's just like uh, biofuels, you know, such a good idea on the left hand, but yet it almost caused uh, what caused starvation overseas because of it, it, you know, took away a lot of the food supply. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the, the, the secondary thing about biofuels and particularly ethanol that we're throwing in our gasoline now is it's an issue, one, mechanically um, for, for engines, and two, no one thinks about the water budget for that stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, and how much water is used in growing the crops to develop the ethanol and, and in, in the actual ethanol process, too. And, uh, you know, when we talk about um, the lack of fresh water and the draining of the Ogala Aquifer in, in the Midwest uh, or in the Great Plains and the fact that the uh, uh, Colorado River doesn't quite reach the sea hardly anymore because we're drink, we're we're siphoning off so much water, and we're basically taking that water, converting it to corn, and then converting it to ethanol and putting it in our gas tank. Yeah, exactly. And not thinking through, just like mosquitoes are bad, but you can't get rid of all mosquitoes because how it would affect the ecosystem system. So, yeah. Um, hey, I got a really short audio. I'm going to try to play. Then I got a question for you. Okay. We'll see if this works because we got you know some new systems here, so we'll see. 
Jay Bosevich helped bring 1,200 jobs to West Lane. He said he would fight for jobs, and he's following through. When the R.T. Knowles Park was closed here in Mapleton, many of us were devastated. But thanks to Jay Bosevich, we got funding, and we're back up and running. Farm to table direct sales are under increased scrutiny. Jay's going to bat for us just as he did in the past for the wineries. Jay Bozovich is getting the job done. I'm Jay Bozovich, and I hope to earn your support for Lane County Commissioner. I hope it sounded all right. Hey, I recognize that. Yeah. The audio, the audio for my TV commercial. Exactly. And uh, the radio commercial would have the disclaimer on the end. Um, at the beginning of, the, of this program, you were mentioning the list of duties you're doing. Um, so, folks, if he doesn't get elected, Jay, what are you going to do with your time? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, one, I'll have to find a job. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because um, I'm not ready for retirement quite yet. Um, but yeah, there are all sorts of things I do with my time. One, you know, I because I'm so occupied right now, I've had to hire lawn service, which I never had in in my life up to up to before I became a commissioner. And uh, I would probably do a lot more of my own yard work and maybe get rid of the lawn service, <laughs> and maybe maybe enjoy my yard a little bit more. Grow, you know. My my vegetable garden hasn't done very well the last several years because I can't pay enough attention to it. Um, so there might be a few things I'd like to do with my time. You know, and of course, you know, riding my bicycle is pretty high up on the list. Uh, you know, there, there's a, a lot of stuff I would do with my time. Uh, but yeah, it, being a commissioner occupies a lot of time. And uh, one of the things about that um, particular video is, uh, you know, those are all constituents that I've I've helped in one way or another that that are doing that that um, speaking that I asked that they'd be willing to come on uh, and do some stuff on video and her first one's Herb Blodman who's a local business owner here in in the Benita area that I've worked with a lot on on economic issues and uh, he knows my involvement in getting the uh, first call resolution um, call center there that's behind him in the background of that TV ad, and that's why he's talking about the jobs issue. He's also the vice chair of Benita's Economic um, Development Committee uh, for the city of Benita. And uh, the second person uh, is uh, a local resident, um, Linda Jensen, out of Mapleton, and she was part of a group of people called Save Archie Knowles that when uh, the Forest Service decided they were going to close the Archie Knowles campground and park and just um, rip up all the asphalt and just turn it into a natural area um, and and get rid of it. Um, her and a bunch of local residents, because at that time, you got to think about it, it's not too far after the 2008 recession, um, were really upset because even that small 11 campsites there brought tourists into Mapleton to buy gas and purchase groceries and stuff because uh, that's the closest little town to it. And uh, they had been trying to find a way to, to, to save it and been talking to all sorts of people. And I happened to have a hold of coffee in Mapleton one day and they came up and asked me about it. I was like, oh, I, I never heard about them closing that. Um, let me check into it. And I was able to start talking with our parks folks about whether it might be advantageous for the county to take it over. Um, have some great staff in our parks department, found uh, a state grant opportunity uh, from state parks to, to rebuild the infrastructure that the Forest Service had let deteriorate when they made the decision they wanted to close it. Um, and uh, we, we, we went through one try with that, and because the Forest Service at first refused to sign a long-term lease, the state refused to supply the grant, we actually had to get some uh, some Congress critters involved to ask the Forest Service to uh, waive their rules around signing more than a two-year lease so that we could qualify for the state grant. We came around in the next year's grant cycle, got the grant, were able to actually sign the agreements with the Forest Service and take over and take over management of the park, use the grants to, to rebuild it, actually use some AmeriCorps um, volunteers to, to get rid of all the invasive species there. Um, the place has been cleaned up. It looks great. It's a beautiful little campsite right along 126, but it's right next to Knowles Creek, which has salmon that 
spawn, go up and down that creek to spawn. So if you camp there in late August, early September, you can hear the salmon coming up the stream from your campsite or just sit there and watch them while you're eating. You know, it's just an amazing little campground that we were able to save. And it was one of those things where it was way out of the way for the Forest Service to maintain that from all the rest of their sites because they closed down their office in Mapleton. And they really didn't have anything else in that area they were maintaining. But it was in between our Harbor Vista campground in in uh, Florence that we own and maintain and Camp Lane that's on Highway 126 over towards uh, Walton Ways and a bunch of other boat ramps and stuff that we have our staff driving past that campground every day. So having Lane County maintain that made sense. And now it's a county park and because it's campsites, it actually generates revenue. So it pays for itself. Uh, once it was up and running, we got the infrastructure fixed with a grant. So it was just a win-win-win situation. But that was just another constituent that you know contacted me at a coffee I held out in Mapleton. And uh, you know, Linda Jensen will tell you they talked to all sorts of people with no success. Uh, you know, bureaucrats and politicians until they talked to me, nothing happened. There you go. So there you are, folks. Six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. If you want, got a question for the commissioner, and this is proof positive too that uh, he is accessible. And even though he doesn't like to toot his own horn, which is kind of why I, I threw that in there, um, some people got together, talked to to Jay, and he did his best to make it happen. Yep, I can't always make it happen, but I will try. There you go. And, uh, you know, sometimes people get upset when I have to tell them, you know, I can't help you on certain things, but I will I, I will listen, try and figure something out and I'll tell you the truth, you know, which is, you know, that's kind of separates me from some politicians. I won't try and lead you on and lead you on and lead you on making you think I can help you. I will let you know when I can't. Exactly. So, you know, trying means a lot and uh, also being accessible like you are every week right here on KRBN and on Facebook, and you give out your personal number and your offices, and how many others did I miss? Oh, well, you know, it's a, a, yeah, Facebook, and, and I even, you know, you can actually catch me at, on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can find me all sorts of ways, and, and I've gotten contacted all sorts of ways. In fact, I um, put my phone number in a letter to the editor in the uh law news last week when i was correcting some information that somebody wrote in the letter to the editor uh the week before and uh it was about local access roads and and i i because i know there's a lot of questions about local access roads they're public roads that are privately maintained um in the county and that, that happened years ago when when the federal timber dollars went away the county stopped maintaining these small roads that only access um, you know, anywhere from three houses to 30 houses or so, um, you know, folks are confused as to why, you know, the county doesn't maintain those sometimes. And, and uh, I actually put my phone number at the end of that letter to the editor and somebody called me today um, asking about their local access road and problem they're having. And I was able to, to uh, give her some uh, guidance on, on you know, one of the things she was looking at was could she have the road vacated because it was actually just a little dead end that's on the side of her yard um, and actually get, you know, take the, the property up to the center line and have the person across the street get the other. And that's something that happens pretty often here in Lane County is, is streets get vacated and then they go into absolute private ownership. And uh, she was asking about that process. She was also asking about there's been somebody storing vehicles on the road. That's one of the reasons why she's concerned about it because of the, you know, the vehicles being stored there and parked in the, in the public right of way. And we actually have a waymaster that can actually help her with that issue about um, using the right of ways. So I was able to point her in a couple directions to try and uh, get resolution to her issue. And it was all because I put my personal cell phone number at the end of that uh, letter to the editor in the Saïs Law News, so you can even find me in the Saïs Law News sometimes. <laughs> and uh, let's see, where 
the election's on the 15th, so we're not going to have a chance to do another show before the election. Right. <laughs> but so the, ne- the next show, you'll you'll probably know whether I'm going to be serving another term as a Lane County Commissioner, which is why it's so important to get your ballots filled out and turned in. Only 11% turnout so far in Lane County. And and as I guess, as I'm saying is that if you're not sure, you still got time. If you got questions for Jay, um, contact him here on KRBN on Facebook or whatever. Don't be afraid to ask the question. If you want to be anonymous, you know, and well, of course we won't be having the show before the election, but you won't know the answer if you don't ask. Yeah, yeah. If there's something you know, position you want to know about with me. Um, you know, where I stand on a certain issue or what my plans are to fix a certain problem, just give me a call right now. We got about five minutes, four minutes left on the Bo's Nose Show, 646-721-9887. And uh, just press one so we know you want to get in on the conversation. Yeah, and you can, if you don't want to give me your name on, on over the air here, that's fine too. But if you want to call me personally, you know, later on after the show, it's 541 541- Nine five three six five five five. Again, that's five four one nine five three six five five five. That's my personal cell phone. Uh, I won't answer it after nine o'clock at night necessarily, or before six in the morning. But I answer it just about any time or during the radio show. I kind of put it on buzz during the radio show. Uh, but you know that that I give that out regularly. It's on my cards. Um, People are really respectful of it. I, you know, I didn't do it at first when I became a commissioner because I was worried about people um, crank calling me and things like that. But I, uh, uh, the sheriff gives out his phone number uh, on a regular basis, and he basically said people don't abuse it with him. And I would think he would be the one that would get the most abuse uh, giving out a cell phone number. So I started giving out my cell phone number several years ago, uh, and I do that regularly. Um, because I think that's probably the easiest way people can get a hold of me because you can call me or you can even text me. Again, 541-953-6555 because I, I do respond to text also. All right. And, so. uh, three minutes left in the program. Uh, I want to give you your best elevator. On, on why people should fill their ballot out and actually fill in the little uh, oval in front of my name for reelecting me for Lane County Commissioner. It's because we want to continue the great work we've done here in Lane County, where we've managed to recover from an extreme financial crisis, concentrate on how we uh, control our costs to the point where we balanced our budget structurally without using any reserves, without cutting any services this last year, and the one we're proposing for this year is the same way, and we're still not charging the full amount of the public safety levy, so we've cut taxes. I mean, that's just in itself is pretty amazing. And for that alone, I think people might want to reelect me just on the budget side and the tax side. But in addition to that, uh, we're doing some really great work in in you know rebuilding some of our systems, uh, particularly on the public safety side. You know, we talk about sheriff's patrol a lot, but we don't talk about the fact that we've gotten up to 367 jail beds now in our local local side of the jail. Um, when we were down to 120 some way back in 2011 and 12. Um, so we've really rebuilt the jail capacity. We've rebuilt our youth services department. We've done a lot with the Justice Reinvestment Act to build some programs around restorative justice, like our drug court and our mental health court and our veterans court, where we're starting to really deal with people's root causes of criminality and and diverting people out of the criminal justice system. We've adopted the um, stepping up initiative where we're trying to keep people with mental health issues out of our criminal justice system, where we funded another um, uh, uh, CAHOOTS ban so that we're getting people a non-police response to folks in mental health crisis. We started the uh, 23-hour uh, crisis clinic uh, for folks who have, you know, having mental health issues um, that the Lane County now has uh, that wasn't here before. We've actually added three mental health staff in our jail to try and start uh, getting people 
better taken care of that, that come to our jail with mental health issues and getting them into when they're released from jail into um, programs and treatment and making sure their treatments continued post jail um, so they're not coming back so soon. So we've done a lot of great work on the public safety side. We're continuing some great work on the housing side with our um, frequent user system engagement pilot and saving a lot of money with with getting folks intensive case management and treatment for why they're homeless in the first place and uh, just all sorts of good things happening at Lane County and if you you don't see Lane County in the news because we're having some major crisis or there's some you know fiscal scandal going on we're in the news because we're doing good things and I hope that you see that and you want to continue that good work and that you'll vote for me in this upcoming election. Don't forget to turn in your ballot before 8 p.m. May 15th. And I appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to Bo's Nose Show. I think we're hitting our, our hour here. And um, that was my elevator speech. I hope it was good enough to, to convince you to support me. And uh, you know, I hope this show is enough evidence to folks that I'm available. I'm trying to reach out to folks. I found that I get more people listening to this show every week than I ever got to come to my community office. So that's one of the reasons why I continue to do this show. Our stats um, through Blog Talk are showing that. And uh, really appreciate the folks who are tuning in and listening. Hope you learned something today. Again, we'll be back next week with the Bose Nose Show. Coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elkhart. Have a great week and thank you.